Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to the Diary of an Addict podcast. I'm your host, Jack Smith. The Diary of an Addict is a place where people can share their stories about life and addiction, including active addiction and addiction recovery. Sharing these moments, raw and unfiltered, has a twofold effect. It helps the storyteller deal with shame and guilt, which are obstacles in almost everyone's recovery journey, and it also helps bond ties with the listener who may have thought nobody truly understood them. Listening to stories that most people would hide in a diary may help others feel like they are not alone. Hearing someone say it took them multiple times to finally stay sober might encourage someone else not to give up. Stories have the power to help not only the person listening, but the person telling. The listener gains a sense of hope and inspiration while the storyteller liberates themselves by using their life experiences to create a survival guide for others with similar struggles. Everyone on this podcast, myself included, started at the same place, rock bottom. But that's the thing about rock bottom. There ain't nowhere to go but up. So join me as we listen, learn, and grow together. And remember that people with wounds listen to people with scars. Today we're blessed and honored to have Josie Al sharing her story with us. I met Josie in 2020 at Kanawotee, or Khan for short, which is our tribe, the Eastern Band's inpatient rehab facility. Um, from the time I met her, like we kind of clicked. We just had conversations and our stories were similar I think I even went as far as to say that she was the female version of me and lo and behold we find out that we're actually related and not only that but our grandmas were twin sisters so pretty close Uh, her direct approach and no bullshit attitude is something that I can relate to and I think that anyone else who played sports growing up can relate to as well. So I hope it's helpful for everyone. So my name is Jesse Al. I'm from Turkey, North Carolina. Born and raised here. I'm 38. I um I have two kids. My 16 year old son Josiah, and then my 13 year old daughter is Brian. I grew up in the Birdtown community here on the res, and um, yeah, I've spent the majority of my life here. So um, I didn't really, you know, go anywhere else until I decided to get sober and um, get away from here for a little while because that's what I needed to do for myself. I had to get away from what was, you know, um what I knew, what was familiar to me. Was that scary to do? Um, no, not when I finally went because I had, you know, a relapse of a big part of my story. I um, tried to do it here numerous times and I just couldn't do it. So by the time I was ready, I went back to Conway TE for the third time. Um, and I was just like, I was like fully surrendered. I was like, I'm tired of this. I have to do something different. And if that means getting away from here as far away as possible, and that's what I'm going to do. Like, I even, I remember telling Chris, um, the therapist, like, send me to Trosa. Like, that's how serious I was about doing something different. 
And he was like, oh, God, no, you don't want to go there. <laughs> so I explored other options, and um, that's when I found first at Farm and Candler and, you know, set things in place for me to go there after I completed Economoki. And then I transitioned to Oxford House in Asheville. So I was over in Asheville for about two years before I came back home. Do you think that uh, more people would recover or have better, what's the word I'm looking for, have a higher rate of recovery, I guess, or higher success rates if they would sometimes take the steps that you did also? As far I as mean, going somewhere else and starting fresh? Honestly, I do. I feel like there's a lot more resources out there, especially in Asheville. Like, they're real. I mean, I know I have a lot of stories from addiction that I can, you know, if that's what I wanted to focus on, I could go over there and find it. But, however, there's a lot of uh, resources available to people outside of Cherokee that they don't even know about. And um, I do. I feel like if people would get out of their comfort zone and try something different, like, you, they would be amazed at what, like, for me, if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't took those steps, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have progressed as quickly as I did in my recovery as far as getting my peer support certification, um, getting my CDAC or my uh, certified drug alcohol counselor certification going, all that. Like, none of that would have happened if I hadn't have got, honestly, shout out to Sunrise. Um, if it wasn't for them and people that I have there, Helping me, I would not be where I'm at today. If I would have stayed in Cherokee, it would have been a lot, a lot longer process. And or I feel like I'm not saying that that's what everyone should do. However, I know that was what was the most beneficial for me. Yeah, um, I only ask you because I've seen you personally. You know what I mean? Like, well, I was kind of locked up for part of it, so. <laughs> You would tell me about it on the phone, you know what I mean? Your journey yeah. and how how it was helping you to be somewhere else, you know? So that's actually, like, what motivated me to go away, too, you know what I mean? Because I had tried numerous times also, and, like, man, there were times that I thought I had it, you know? And I think that was my mistake mm. in thinking that I had it in the first place, but I would just end up going back to my old ways in Cherokee, so moving away and starting somewhere fresh where not only did I not know the area, but I didn't know any people around also helped me like tremendously in staying away from the crowd that I used to run with. Yes. And, um, me being exposed to like, I mean, I, like I said, I don't really consider relapses like I'm having to start all the way back over. Like I learned something from every one of them and I just, like it was a backslide, you know. So by the time I had finally decided to quit and move to Asheville and I experienced the level of like mental health and addiction and homelessness that they have over there, like it really put me, it was eye-opening to me to be like, you know, I remember couch surfing when I was in addiction over here in Cherokee and thinking that I was homeless. I mean, I was, however, I wasn't that, I wasn't to the level of homelessness like I experienced working with over there, um, doing outreach, outreach work and stuff. And um, it really opened my eyes to like, it could have been a lot worse for me. And just, I was, the gratitude that I got from being over there and 
um, you know, like the things that we, even as Cherokee people, take for granted. Like, we living in the Oxford house was really humbling, and being in the Dixon was just humbling because when I went to that house, it wasn't a good environment even then. Like, it was like, okay, the lights were about to get cut off at any time. Like, we had to come together as a house and start taking care of shit or... You know, I, I was like, what the fuck did I do? Like, I should have stayed at the farm longer. But, um, you know, that's just life. Like, you know, life hits you in the face as soon as you leave, like, a rehab facility or sober leave, and it's like, all right, the, here, this is the real world, and you better be ready for it. So, yeah, I was like, what the fuck, man? Um, but it's like the bills, like rainwater disposal, and I say that all the time because I'm like, what the fuck is rainwater disposal even mean? Whatever it is, we had to pay fifty dollars for it every month. We had to have pay for our trash to be taken off, and the taxes just—it was just like, you know, the rent was like almost three grand. Of course, there was like seven other seven eight other women living with me but still it's like you know living here on the reservation like we take a lot of shit for granted and so now that i'm back home like i really i can tell a difference in myself like before josie and addiction was a cold-hearted fucking bitch and now like i remember jeremiah like saying you mean you're compassionate and understanding and i'm like yeah <laughs> like yeah i am i have a heart um it was just it was just eye opening for me to get away and I think experience like life outside of this place. Yeah. So I'm glad I got, I'm glad I did it. I wouldn't have. I'm just I'm glad it's all happened the way it did. I don't regret none of it. This is kind of off subject, but I think it's kind of important. You know, like. Go ahead, hit me, man. I ain't got no shame. I'm I'm cool. I've shared my story. I've shared oh, the traumas. I was just going to ask you, <laughs> if you think that in Cherokee, it takes us longer to hit rock bottom because of her cat. Mm. You know, like you was talking about the homelessness and stuff and how it was bad for you, but never that bad. Do you think yeah. her cat plays a role in that or Jinwell or whatever you would say now? Like, because even the worst addict, I feel like, on the res is still, like, they still ain't got to do some of the extreme stuff that I've seen in other areas where they don't get per cap to, to get their next high. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. And I feel like, too, um, part of – I don't think a lot of people that realize, like, or understand addiction here on the reservation, like, they're we're very quick to judge – and like don't understand and even like i'm i'm saying now too like when you have family members who are in addiction like it's hard to to be showing that tough love and set boundaries and not enable and you think you're helping them but really you're hurting them so i think that also is a thing like you know if people didn't have places safe places to go like if i'm really grateful my mom finally said you're not coming back here because when she finally put her foot down and stopped letting me come back to their house, like that's when it really got like real for me also. Like I remember like going for a week or so without eating and, you know, like, and I <laughs> love my mom and she would be like, Oh, you got nowhere to go. 
go to detox, you know? So I, in the moment, like, I thought it was really harsh, but now looking back at it, like, I'm so glad she did that to me because if she would have continued to help me, that would that's like the biggest hurt that I could that I could have kept getting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause yeah. That would, so, always, that would always seem like a safe place for you, you know, and you, you could have just kept on whatever you. It was like a reset button almost, you know. Yeah, it was a place that I knew I could go to and be safe and get fed and take a shower, see my kids, and not have to worry about my shit getting stole or. I wouldn't have to worry about anything. And then, yeah, I would. I'd stay there for a little while, and then I'd be gone again. And so, yeah, not just per cat, but there's a lot of things here that I think um, continue to enable people in addiction. And since you brought that up, you know, uh, about your mom, and I think it speaks to your growth that you can see that what she was saying wasn't harsh. You know what I mean? Because some people can never move past that and, like, it creates wedges in relationships because like you might have thought your mom was being a bitch the whole time when really it was coming from a place of like love like and when i say love like not real love do you think you could cut your kids off like that i don't i don't know uh um like it's hard for me now even with the guilt that i have of not being there for them for so long like when they want stuff, it's hard for me to tell them no. Just stuff that I'm like, minor stuff, you know? So I can't even, no, I couldn't imagine if, I mean, I dread the day. I hope my kids don't ever go down the road that I did, but if they do, I feel like I would be, I don't know. No, I can't say that. I don't know how I would handle it. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't trying to wish bad on them. I, I, you know, I wish nothing but the best for everybody, but I was just saying like the, the amount of love that your mom showed in that moment, I don't know if I possess it. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think, I don't know. Uh, at this moment, I would have to say I don't possess it. Maybe if the time ever came, Lord forbid it does, it's a different story. But at this moment, you know, that's that's love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really, I really appreciate it now, but yeah, um, Thanks for saying that, because that is that's it's, you know it's been a lot. It's been a lot. We've up no, I let I me mean, own my shit. I have put my family through a lot of shit, and now that I am clear-minded enough to like recognize that and acknowledge that, like I I do have a um um I'm a more appreciative of them, my mom, my dad, and even my kids. Um, and I'm really lucky that I didn't lose them to like you know, foster care or outside of my family. Um, because now working in with people in early recovery and I have to experience them losing their kids to the system, like it's, I'm very grateful that that didn't happen to me, thank God, because I don't know. I just don't know. I don't yeah. know if I could, don't even want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. So, in hindsight, you know, with the growth that you're, that you have and, you know, like the knowledge you've learned, it's almost like you can say, even through all that, you were still lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. That. So, um, we talked about 
you step to your recovery, um, can we talk about like when you, like, do you remember the first time you drank or that you got high? Yeah. So I was 13 and, um, you know, reflecting back to my childhood, um, I grew up in the projects with like three of the biggest drug dealers in Cherokee. So I started smoking weed when I was 13. Um, as like, you know, I used to go shoot ball all the time and the, the boys and went to a guy's house one evening with my cousin and, you know, he's like, you want to smoke? And I was like, uh, I guess. And he pulls out like gallon bags of damn weed. And so I started smoking. Not every, not, not a lot, but that's when I started and, um, was sneaking the liquor, you know, from my mom and dad well, when I could. And I don't even know how I didn't get caught one night, but I didn't. Um, yeah, and then in high school, I always hung around older people. So I was drinking, uh, occasionally when I wasn't like playing sports and stuff. And let's see, I got a fake ID when I was, when I went to ETSU. So when I turned 21, like drinking wasn't even fun. Like it wasn't a big deal because I've been doing it for years now and it just wasn't, you know, cool anymore because I'd done, been doing it and I didn't even like it to be honest with you. I think that's why I started dabbling in other things is because I didn't like the after effects and hangover and all that shit. Yeah. Um, speaking to that, I've, I've noticed that a lot with um even myself i i drank and then when i was able to get it myself i kind of stopped for a little bit i've seen other people do that and i think that is part of the allure of not only drinking but of doing drugs and stuff sometimes is that you're doing something you're not supposed to you know and then furthermore with drugs you you start doing a lot of stuff you're not supposed to be doing in order to get those drugs you know so it's like a it's like a cycle that feeds on itself, it seems like. Yeah. And then I am, um, so when I was in ET, over at ETSU too, like, you know, I wasn't prepared for life outside of Cherokee. And I think it was a big culture shock for me. Like, um, even when I did have my money, like, oh, I'll, okay, let me back up. I still have a problem with money. I spend compulsively. That's my new addiction. I go shopping and buy shoes. So, <laughs> um, I'm still a work in progress, but over there, like, you know, I decided to make these rash decisions and move off campus and get an apartment and have all these bills. And, you know, despite my mom telling me that's not a good idea, but I did it anyways. Cause you know, we know everything when we're younger. Um, so that's when I started doing like cocaine and, hanging out with these people that did everything else. And so, yeah, flunked out of ETSU, didn't go back. And that was, to me, the biggest mistake I made was staying here. Because <laughs> that's when I started, like, my downward spiral of everything else started coming along, pills, all that. So we were out of it. Uh... ETSU, which is uh, East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, is it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now we're back on the res. We're uh, experimenting with any and everything, would you say? 
Or well, mainly just pain pills at this moment, uh, ecstasy. It was, okay, so uh, I got a job back here. Well, I started working at the ER for, I was there for several years and um, met my kid's dad. I won't say his name. <laughs> but uh, that's when it really, like, took off. Uh, well, everybody knows that, that knows me. But, um, yeah, I just couldn't, like... I broke because I was like trying to portray this put together person, this image, you know, like that's why when I see other people who are all the time worried about what other people think of them, I'm like, please don't do that. Cause I know where that took me. I was so worried about the way I looked to everybody else that, you know, I was, I was freaking, I was stuck and miserable, man. I was trying to take care by then it had got, you know, it was to the point of, I had my son, he was like a year old, and then um, on the weekends, every other weekend, living in Robbinsville, had the three other kids that weren't mine, but I was still trying to, like, you know, help out in that aspect and be there for them and then take care of a grown-ass man who had an addiction, plus my own, and pretend like I didn't have a problem. So that that fucking broke me. That, that broke me. I, I finally was just like... Fuck this. If he don't have to be responsible, why do I? And I just kind of like, I quick, I called the, called the actor place, come get my car. I just couldn't do it. And then when he wasn't around to blame anymore for like all my money being spent and just, you know, all the shit, I had somebody to blame it on for a little while. And then when that was gone, it, you know, it was no more hiding it. And I think that's about the time that I finally just, I had both my kids by then, and my parents ended up just keeping them both. And I just went out wilding for damn near about a decade or more. So, yeah, and by then, I think I was like 27. And that's why I was like, I don't, when people, never say never, because I used to be the girl that'd be like, oh, I, you know, I, when my friends started shooting up, um, I'll be like, you're so fucking stupid. What the fuck are you thinking? You, you know, just calling every name in the book, telling they're dumb. And then there I was, started doing it. And, you know, I was just like them. So it was like, I'm never saying ever anymore because I turned into every fucking thing that I despised. Like, there I was right there in it. And that was me, you know? And so, yeah, I think I was 27. I started shooting. And uh, by then it was, I was a full-blown I call myself a needlehead because I was shooting whatever I could get my hands or my hands on, and would break down like I was shooting it and doing a lot of all the shit you know, that comes when you're in addiction. And if you don't know, <laughs> you want me to go there? No. <laughs> you can. It's your story. Um, I mean, yeah, I did everything, anything I had to do. So stealing. Whatever, this a lot of dishonorable things, okay, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I mean, it's, I don't know for what you what you want to rate this, so I'm gonna keep it at uh, that. Okay, well, thank you, but uh, I understand what you're saying. Like for myself, you know, there was a lot of I'd never moments, just like you said, I never do this, I never do that, and then there I am, you know, like, and then the never moments turn to well, this is never gonna change, you know, so. I understand, you know, like doing things that like 
I still have problem telling people some of the stuff that I've done. You know, there's still some like a few things that I haven't told anybody. You know, I'm like I understand what you mean when you say that. So. Um, yeah, I don't really have a problem like telling, but I know I don't know if if my I'm more concerned like, and this is um, I'm more concerned with uh, like if my kids will hear this or if my parents hear this and there's stuff that I've done that I don't ever want them to know about. Yeah. But um, yeah. you know, like if I'm sharing my story in a place that I know parts of my story will be beneficial, then hell yeah, I'm gonna share it. Like I have zero shame like what's happened what i've done and what's happened in the past i can't change it i just know that i've fucking learned from it and i'm moving on and that's that and there's i mean there's and yeah i just there's nothing nobody can tell me about myself that you know i don't i mean it is what it is i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah i understand <laughs> that's a good place to be whenever you are like you love yourself so much that like you you even love your flaws and you embrace those uh so we are we're down like in the dumps now uh so to speak uh would you say that this was your situation at its worst this was uh i don't want to ask you about i want to ask you about a rock bottom moment but i don't know like for myself, if you ask me about a rock bottom moment, I'd have to pick out of like ten or fifteen. There's too many. Yeah, there's <laughs> too many for me. Like, so can can you give me an, like just just walk me through a couple of those like at, of of your moments like? I guess um, like, for myself, when I say rock bottom, I'm thinking about moments that sometimes like if I have a thought of using or something like that, this is a moment I remind myself of to not go back down that path. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, so, yeah, there are, like, I think what sticks out to me the most is the times that it was, like, winter time and I didn't have nowhere to go, and I always felt like maybe I was just, like, a burden to the people that I was around, even though we were all using. And I do remember this one time, like, it was Christmas, and um, I had got my daughter, this Cabbage Patch Kid, because I loved Cabbage Patch Kids growing up. I hadn't been there for X amount of years, so I finally got, like, these Christmas presents for my kids. And even if I was just going to take them and drop them off and, you know, not even see them, like, I at least wanted to do something. And um, I was out of state, like, on a, on a damn drug run, and it was like, okay, you can't take all that shit with you because we don't have room. And I was, like, so devastated. And I remember thinking, like, here I am again having to choose, like, stuff for my kids or my drugs. And, of course, I chose the drugs. So I, I think about that. And then, um, yeah, um, when I went back this last time to detox, uh, uh, kind of like a out-of-the-body experience. Like, I remember looking at myself in this room thinking, this is really how you want to live your life? Like, it was... An ex-boyfriend of mine's room at his mom's, and I was like, wow, like, you really want to continue to live off this person and his parents, you know? And I was like, fuck this, man. I know I could do better. So I went to detox, back to detox. I had AMA'd from treatment, overdosed that day, had to get Narcan three times. Um, Talia died. That's when Talia passed. 
I think we were, you were still, I don't know if you were still down there too, but you know, we were at Calm together. So I was just in and out of that place. It gets confusing at times. I've been there so many times. Um, but yeah, I just remember like looking at like where I was and uh, what was going on around me. I can think of that another time too at somebody's house and it was like everybody was nodded out. There was no food in the house. I hadn't eaten like probably a couple weeks. Um, probably weighed 150 pounds in and I'm like topping 200 now. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just stuff like that, just reflecting on like where I was at that moment in my life, knowing damn well I could be doing better. Even using it's like, fuck, you're better than this. Yeah. Uh, I was at con at that time. But so yeah. that time, that was a mixture of things for me. It was that, you know, just Talia had passed, and I thought that could have been me the day before. And then also, um, I had spoke to my parents, and they were upset. And then I was coming to the realization of, like, my son was about to be 13, or he was 13, and all the time I had missed, and then my dad whose health was starting to, you know, be bad. And I'm like, okay, I'm coming to the realization of I'm not going to have my parents much longer. Um, I've already missed too much time in my kids' life. And then losing somebody that, you know, who is down there in treatment with me easily could have been me. Like, that was very eye-opening. So, of course, that's always going to stick out to me is losing um, to Leah. And I mean, every time I, every time somebody, and it's, when people pass, you know, now it's kind of like, I'm like desensitized to it because it's like, well, <laughs> that's what happened if we continue to use, like, that's, and even for me, like, all right, that keeps me from using now because I know if I use again, like, that's it, I'll be dead. I won't, I won't survive another relapse. Like, it'll, it'll take me out. And that scares me now. Like, it didn't used to scare me, but now it scares me. I'm not ready to die. Yeah, uh, that's that's also, you know, uh, that makes me happy to hear you say, because I know for myself there were times in the midst of my active addiction when I was doing some crazy shit, like crazy shit, you know, like on one of them drug runs, you know, like, Thinking back in hindsight, I'm like, I can't believe I did that. You know, I'm three hours from home in a car with no license, meeting some people I only met one time before in their neighborhood. But at that moment in time, I was like, fuck it. You know, if I die, I die. Because I didn't yeah. have, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had anything to live for at the time. So from going to that to, you know, I, I don't know if you had that attitude or not, but I feel like we all did in our, when we were struggling bad and, to now where you're like you're afraid to die you know because it sounds like you do have stuff to live for so oh hell yeah that's that's freaking awesome you know uh so your first step what would you say your first step from that moment to to getting to where you are now was going back to treatment yes going back and finishing what i had planned originally because so because you you know COVID had just hit and my self-centered controlling ass I remember being at con and they were like oh 
we don't know how long it'll take till this COVID's over and you have to stay here quarantined and they're not taking anybody. And I was like, fuck this. I ain't staying here till summer. You know, so I took off. And then when all that happened that weekend, uh, I, I went back and I sat my ass down and I waited for as long as I had to wait. And I listened to what they said to me. I was a totally different person. Totally fucking different. Um, but it took, you know, that was a wake. It was, that was a fucking major wake up call for me. Um, coming off of overdose and then Talia dying that Sunday. Yeah. Um. So I, I mean, it like changed me. I, my whole attitude. Um. Like from going, you know how I was. I used to raise hell if I didn't get my way. I was a fucking brat. So it was like, all right, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. So <laughs> I was my a first, pain in the ass. <laughs> my, my first thought was used to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I probably still do, but I'm not as bad. I think I think that's a part of it too. Is like. um we're all stubborn. Uh, I think me and you might be more stubborn than, than the average bear. Uh, for you listeners who don't know, Josie is actually my, uh, Josie's grandma and my grandma were twin sisters. Uh, mm-hmm. so you would think we are like really close. We are, we are now, but before, like I didn't meet her until this, we were at rehab that she was talking about with Tom which was wild to think that in such a small town and then making it smaller by being in the drug world, making that smaller by being related that we never ran into each other. But uh, It's probably a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I would say so. It would have been like quadruple trouble. (laughs) Yeah, but the, the, the stubbornness, you know, like... When you lose that and you you uh you become teachable, I guess you become uh open to uh, constructive criticism uh for me, one of the biggest i think like turning points was when I could not only accept criticism from others but that I could look inwardly and criticize and work on faults of my own. you know what I mean yeah yeah i I am. I can definitely see how that like ticks me off now. Like when I'll, I'll own my shit. Like yeah, I fucked up. Sorry, you know. Um, and to have other people like not admit their faults either, like that fucking infuriates me. But I also have to be uh, mindful that they're just not there yet. And yeah. working so now you know I work at Con. Uh, where we went through treatment together and I'm getting my payback for all the hell I put my mom through and my dad and everybody else. (laughs) Um, I have to be, well, I don't have to be, but I really try to be like understanding of, hey, that is exactly where you were. And, you know, I am, I don't expect everybody to like, everybody's on different levels, I guess. And, um, it drives me nuts sometimes. Like, I can't just, like, I get it now, you know, when people wanted to, like, shake us and be like, get your head out of your ass. 
what yeah. the fuck are you doing? Like, and I want to do that to others, but I have to be <laughs> remember that. <laughs> like, that was you too. <laughs> so, yeah, I just try my best to help them come to the real, their own shit as best I can. And some of them might not. So they'll be back. That's what I tell myself. If they act okay. like I did when I thought I knew everything and didn't want to listen, they'll be back. <laughs> And do you remember when people used to say that to us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to be I used to be heated. So I guess you're getting a little get back in that statement, you know. Oh, karma's a bitch, man. Yeah. <laughs> um this is completely unrelated, uh kinda, but uh working in peer support <laughs> Uh, kind of like when you were talking about that, how you kind of want to shake them sometimes. It made me think mm-hmm. of the old, the old saying, like, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Were they trying to bullshit you or something? I mean, that happens <laughs> daily. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> Hourly, <was> minutely. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not even wasting my time or energy with that right now. Like, but yeah, it's like we think we're clever and we think we're we're damn fooling people and we're not like, you know, like people can I can see yeah we can see right through that like so I don't even waste my time really I'm just like okay I'm going to somebody who I can be beneficial to. <laughs> yeah, I just want to ask you that I got my peer support too and I I was getting ready to like interview at this job over here but like. I've I've done a couple of things like that's peer support related as far as like since my podcast has started, you know, people reaching out and I'm just talking to them, really helping them get resources sometimes. But man, I swear some of them like, and it ain't no offense to them. I mean, they're making a first step by even asking for help. So I'm not going to say nothing, but sometimes like they'll start, they'll start this long message. And I, I know when I have to scroll down on the message, like I already think like, dang, they're going to bullshit, man. Like, it's hard for me to, uh, I don't know, I guess, deal with that. So I was just wondering how you did. You just, I don't know. When you know that they're just uh, talking in circles around you, do you just continue to talk to them, or what do you do? No, I'm very, I'm like, man, cut this shit. Like, you're not kidding. You know, like, I'm very direct. and <laughs> I was just like. To do that? I mean, okay, so that's what, you know, I was told one time I have to be professional. I said, well, I'm not professional. I am peer support. <laughs> so I'm going to be direct. And if they're full of shit, I'm going to tell them they're full of shit. And if I tell them they're full of shit and they still try to bullshit me, I'm just not going there. No, there's some that I've worked with that I can think of. I ain't going to say their names. They've been a huge pain in the ass. And I didn't think they'd make it. And I was judging. Yeah, I was judging. But they're doing fucking great right now. Some still in Asheville, living in Oxford. And you wouldn't think, you'd have thought they'd be using them first day. But it just depends on the person, you know. It doesn't matter what we do. It's all on yeah. them. Yeah. Um, Meet them where they're at. That's the beauty of peer support. Meet them where they're at, not where we want them to be. <laughs> yeah. All, you know. Yeah. Uh, further to that, you know, I've even, uh, for myself, I've became like, I made a little saying for myself is that I should, I need to accept people for who they are, not who, uh, they have the potential to be or who I think they 
can be. You know, I got to take them as they are in that moment. And it helps me deal with like family members that are still struggling, you know, and they lash out like with, with like hurtful words and stuff. You know what I mean? It just helps me just let it roll off my back. Cause I know that they're only trying to hurt me cause they're hurting. You know what I mean? Yes. And yes. Amen to that. Um, yeah. Um, I feel like we're on the same level. I know what you're talking about. So it is, but it's discouraging as fuck. Cause it's like you know they can be doing better, and but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter what we do, Jack. They're still gonna they're gonna have to find their own way, man. But all we can do is be there for them. Yeah, it's hard not to be like judgmental and shit though. Yeah. But we also have the right to like, you know, enough is enough, and set your boundaries. Yeah, um, that's just. That's a tough part too. Uh, I was actually going to ask you about that. Uh, if you could give yourself advice, um, if you could go talk to you, you could go talk to Josie at 27 years old. What would you say to her? Oh my God. I don't think I'd waste my time. (laughs) (laughs) Cause there have been no talking to me. And I, that's a good question. Um, Fuck. That's a really good question. Because honestly, I don't think, you know, like, and even when people talk to me today, I don't want to be like, I know, because I would, I know you today. It's like, I knew better. I had enough sense to know better. But I still fucked up anyways, like, because that's just where I was. I don't know, man. I don't think there's anything I could say to me at 27 that I would have damn listened to. Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you, you know, I, or I would have, I would have listened to you and agreed with you and told you what you wanted to hear just to like end the conversation and get Yeah, you. just to shut you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so next question. Say there's uh, somebody that's listening to us right now, you know, Lord forbid they, they went through all this. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Say they're struggling in active addiction right now. Um, what would you say to them? I would say, um, man, it, it gets easier. It's hard at first, but once you get through, once you get through it, and once you get to a point where you know you're able to get out of that darkness, man, it's it's so fucking worth it. Just don't give up. And, Keep trying, like you are worth something. We're all worth something, whether we think we are or not. Life, like, life's so much, so much sweeter right now. Um, I don't want to be a bitch, but you know, it, I kind of, uh, I kind of get uh, my it feeds my ego to know that. I mean, it's not a competition, but here I am, you know, damn junked out, failing. Josie Isles probably doing better than a lot of people in life. <laughs> it's like, how ironic. <laughs> I love it. That's good. You got to love yourself. Uh, that reminds me of something. Um, I feel like there's kind of a, I don't know if it's a stigma, if it would be considered a stigma of like when people get sober and people who are not sober, they, Sometimes they say that, oh, 
I'm going to use your name as an example. I don't know if you've you probably heard it anyways, but, oh, Josie got clean and sober. Now she thinks she's better than everybody. Um, have you ever heard anything like that? Mm, not to my face. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's never been um, very direct, you know, but I, I was thinking about that the other day because I had a situation like, not like, you know, not directly, but, you know, and I was just thinking to myself because nowadays I, I feel like I've grown as a person enough to whenever a situation arises, I try to look at it from like every angle possible. So that being said, uh, whenever I was struggling and I seen somebody get sober, like I didn't really feel good about myself at all, you know, despite, Hell no. despite outward appearances, you know, I didn't love myself at all. So I thought, you know, maybe it was because, you know, when somebody does get sober, like part of, of good recovery and like a healthy recovery is like learning to love yourself. So I think that what it is is that when you're struggling like that, you feel unworthy. You don't feel worthy of love. You don't feel worthy of anything, worthy of happiness. And you're so low that to see someone actually start to love themselves, I think that you're so low. You, since you're so low, it might come across as arrogance, maybe. At least maybe that's what it did for me. What do you think about the whole, what I just laid out there for you? No, hell no, because, uh, you know, when you when you sober up and, like, you know your purpose and you know what you're doing with yourself in life, and for me, it's like, if I'm, if they think that I'm better than them, I'm sorry, that's not what, I'm, that's not my intentions, however, I, I have worked very hard to get where I'm at, and I have a lot to lose, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, risk what I have gained because someone else is, um, doesn't like who I've become. Do you know, does that make sense? Yes, like, that does make sense. Like, I'm sorry that I offend you. Sorry, not sorry, really. Um, who gives a shit, Jack? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, uh, uh, I don't think I, it is. Okay. For me personally, I don't. Who or what do you know? I know you spoke about Talia and her being a, a motivating factor on you wanting to change in the first place. Uh, did you, uh, was there anything or anyone that has helped you in your journey? Like, uh, what, what do you do to keep you on the right track? Um, well, my job, for one, even though it can be a huge stress and pain in the ass, um, like, this is my, I'm making, it's crazy how I've turned, like, my darkest part of my life into, like, a career now, and I'm helping others, so that gives me a purpose, and it helps me, too, and um, my kids, being back in their lives, uh, just uh, my family, um school, going to school part-time, and I'm just, I'm, fuck, I'm happy with the simple shit, I like to come home and just chill, and I'm happy yeah. with that, so I've got my own place now, so I just, I just keep to myself, focus well, on what's important to me, yeah, thank you. Um, are you, what school are you going to? 
uh, SEC. Oh, okay. Congrats. It, not that it matters. I was just wanting to know if in life and in these, th- I thought she was going to have a full circle moment on me right there and enroll back at EPSU. Nah, that'd be cool, but I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't too old for it. You can do it. I'll go to Western or something close by. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool I'll, for you I'll to go? See. What if you went to Western or any school like, and your your son went to at the same time? Hope, hopefully, you go somewhere else. So I like for people to go experience the world. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know about him right now. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, nah, we'll see. I've uh, so you know setting goals is a big thing they tell you about and so i remember when i finally got my peer support i was like damn i did it now what am i going to do so i did my cdac or csac whatever the right acronym later and whatever it is drug alcohol counselor so i got that and so i was like now i got to do something else so i just want to keep it simple i really want to stay at like the peer level i don't want to be a therapist um because if I have to turn professional, I don't want to do that. I want to keep it, you know, where I, I can, can be, be relatable to people. Yeah, I want to be relatable to people. And I know um, there's a therapist I work with now. You know, he's like, how 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 do you, like, how do you connect with them? They really like you. And I'm like, there's some stuff you can't be taught. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's just they know me. Like, I, you know, everybody that's down there that I work with now majority of them I've used with like they've seen me in addiction and now they're seeing me as like their counselor and helping them and it's freaking I mean I it's crazy as hell but um they listen to me and they really respect what I have to say some of them I probably piss some of them off too but they'll be all right they'll get over it yeah I like Not your unapologetic uh, approach to recovery. Yeah, man, recovery is not. I, you know, like I don't don't feed me sugar coated shit. Just tell me straight like it is, and that's how I do. And some people can't. They don't, you know, go well with that, and that's cool. I hand them off to the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is uh? What are you going back to school for? You don't mind me asking. I just want to get my. Uh, I just want to be a. Licensed clinical addiction specialist. I don't oh, want to be a therapist. Yeah, I just keep it all in addiction because that's what I know. I know about the drugs. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. I didn't even know they had such a thing. I was actually wondering about the because uh, I'd like to go higher too, but I like um, there's some loops I have to jump through as far as like criminal records and some stuff, you know. So like. Mm-hmm. Peer support is the only job where all that's like a bonus. You know what I mean? That's like a resume boost. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a qualification. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so that's cool. I, I want to look into that actually. Um, yeah, I yeah. want to get my uh, record expunged too. So um, there's a there's somebody in a so physical angle in Asheville to help you do that. I don't know if you want to try to look into that also, but uh, yeah, there's there man, there's resources out there for even us felons. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I'm well, a felon and thriving. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
Thank you for coming um, on here today, Josie. I've I've had yeah. Thanks for asking me. Good time. It's like a you know. Uh, I think people need to hear that raw directness sometimes because you know, like I know it's the res and stuff, but like it is really crazy out there, you know, and like. There ain't no like there ain't no sugar coated shit at the trap house, you know what I mean? Or in, in the prison or in the rehab, you know, there ain't none of that shit, you know what I mean? So I feel like people need to hear hear it like it is sometimes, you know, not like how we think they want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, that never helped me, so um, yeah, but thanks for asking me. Maybe what I had to say helped somebody out there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it will. I mean, that's the goal right there. Just uh, use our stories. I mean, you you do it. I mean, more so than me because your job is related in the recovery field. Like, you use your story to inspire people. And just like you said that at the rehab, how most of the people seen you, you know, they, they used with you or whatever. And now they see you in the role that you are down there now. And I mean... I can't just hearing about it is inspiring to me, you know, so I couldn't imagine being in that place. So that's, I'm proud of you for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I'm proud of you too. Here we are trying to make waves in the recovery field. I mean, it's, I don't know. I feel like for myself, I I led so many people astray, like thinking I was looking out for them by like giving them drugs to sell, you know, but Mm -hmm. so I, I just want to do my part to give back, you know, and I, I still have loved ones struggling and man, I think that's one of the, for me, I would say like if, if I don't, I said one of the, but it might be the only regret I would say I have about being in recovery is that I can't just go do it for the people I yeah. love just to me, you know? Yeah. That family shit's hard, man. It's hard. The whole family thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, that that's tough for me, you know, like, it almost gives me, like, a survival's guilt sometimes, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I'll be trying to work through that, though. I, I feel like we do deserve, just like you were saying, we deserve everything we work through, like, not only have we worked hard to be where we're at, but we have been through hell and back, you know, like, I don't know. Hell yeah. And you know what? I ain't going back. I don't plan on going back. I'm not. That, that's the fucking insanity. To go back to the way we lived? Hell, motherfucking no. <laughs> not me. No, no man. <laughs> I, I said this last week to Rob. I said, you know, when it comes to my past, you know, like, I I wouldn't change it, you know. But I wouldn't choose it either, you know what I mean? Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Hell no. But thank you for coming on here. I appreciate you sharing your story. I know this gets tough, and this, this I'm sure this is going to help somebody. I hope so. Thanks for asking me.